Hey, Jesse, how are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Hey, oh, good. Bef before we begin, mm -hmm. uh, can I tell you a story that not only tugs on your heartstrings, but also itches your funny bone? Uh, go ahead, hit me with it. Oh, I thought you had already watched The Peanut Butter Falcon. I kind of knew this that that's where you're going with that. I was but I was trying to go along. I appreciate that. You're um, welcome. So we did it. We watched another movie. That's the twelfth one. Mm, the does. Peanut Butter Falcon, 2019. Um, I don't know why I picked such bad movies, but um, April Fools, I don't. I pick great movies. That was a that was a wonderful a wonderful watch. How did how do you feel about it? I also very much enjoyed it. If I could sum it up in one phrase, it would be heartwarming. Yes, tugs on your heartstrings. It sure does. For sure. Mm -hmm. Just just a nice story all around. It was. Um, one negative about it though, unlike the rest of our the movies we watch, I don't know if we're gonna find a lot of stuff to talk about. Well, yeah, we might have to search a little, but, we, you know, we'll get there. Always the optimist. That's right. Okay, well, what did you, what were your overall impressions? Just a kind of a... A know, general feeling of the film. Yeah, a general feeling of the film. Well, I thought it was very good. It was nice to look at. It was visually very nice. It was funny. And there were some... Very good performances, I thought. Although not all the performances were perfect, but uh, generally the performances were very nice. And it was good. It was a good length. I like that about this movie. It was an hour and a half. That was that was very nice. Yeah, it was just. I, it's just good. It was a good movie. What, the ni the ninety minutes played a huge part in picking this movie mm -hmm. uh, because we would kind of been going for some longer ones. Mm -hmm. Not on purpose, but just how how it worked out. You know, a nice, a nice sit down. Watched it with with dinner. Um, yep. Yeah, visually appealing. Um, I think there's going to be some high scores for me, anyways. On the you know expectation uh, and acting, mm -hmm. um, both kind of exceeded my expectations, if you will. Right. The only trivia that I really have is yeah. we there's one connection from an earlier movie um, that we watched on the podcast, um, and that came from Zach's roommate, who Bruce Dern, by Bruce Dern, uh -huh. Laura's father. He yes. was the caretaker in The Haunting. Oh, okay. I see that. I didn't make that connection when I watched it, but now uh, the the pieces are coming together. The puzzle pieces have connected uh and just so you're aware mm -hmm. um we are your mother ate my dog the podcast i'm josh you're jesse i am and this week we watched the peanut butter falcon uh shia labeouf that's a name i can say uh he starred in this one my expectations i i had decent expectations for this movie going yeah. in um i had heard good things that that kind of leads me into a quick question. I don't I don't mean to interrupt you, but I'm nope. curious how you heard about this film. I like Shia as an actor. Okay. Yeah. I don't know if he's a good person, but 
he always seems to. Well, he's been hit and miss, but I think he's sort of on the up and up lately. I think he's sort of turned his life around a little. I think he might be an underrated actor. He does he does some good things, but I haven't watched much of his stuff, but he has been coming out with more and more things, such as yeah. uh, Honey Boy, which is a movie I want to watch about yeah. like a it's about his life, I guess. Okay. Um and then Peanut Butter Falcon. I don't know, I just I saw that it came out a few years ago and it's always a movie that I wanted to watch. Yeah. Um I knew it starred Zach Gottswagen, uh-huh. uh, a young man he plays a 22-year-old in this movie, but he's in his mid-30s Okay. Um, with Down syndrome. And and I thought that it could be a fun a fun thing to watch. And I'm, I'm happy that we got to watch it together. Yes, it was, it was quite nice. I got to say, um, I had heard about this film too before you had mentioned that you wanted to watch it. And it was from watching Shia LaBeouf's Hot Ones episode, which is actually quite nice. It's a very nice one to watch if you haven't seen it. Uh, he, I don't know, he's just very genuine in it, and uh, that's what makes it makes it's become one of my favorite episodes of that show. So if you haven't seen that, I recommend it because they talk briefly about this movie because it came out uh, after this this movie came out that episode, and it right. got me ca- kind of interested. Yeah, very genuine man that Shia. Yeah, yeah, I agree. One thing I liked about this movie just out of left field, was that Thomas Hayden Church was in it. And that reminded me of a film that was very dear to me growing up. Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. This was George of the Jungle. Have you seen it? Of course I've seen George of the Jungle. I love that movie. I've been on VHS. Me too. Again, it's one of those, it's one of the few movies that I owned. And so it would get played fairly often and uh, now i have a fondness for it an everlasting fondness so it was nice seeing him i've only ever seen him play the villain so refreshing to see yes. him play a good guy that is true i have only seen him as a, as a villain as well he has a long list of movies that he does i have only seen a handful of them mm-hmm. so maybe he maybe he plays good guys too sometimes but possible He's made of sand in one of them. Yeah. Duncan and Ratboy. Um, they weren't nearly as bad or scary enough. Like they right. just had weapons. That's kind of the only reason that we were supposed to be scared of them. Mm-hmm. Had a boat, but yeah. And I feel bad because every movie we watch, we always talk about like the lead female. Never. Yeah. Like doing it for us, so I, I guess mean, I thought, so. But like in charge, I was just gonna say that I thought Dakota Johnson, she was her character was kind of unlikable, um, mm-hmm. but I thought she did a perfectly fine job in it. Yeah, well, I just I felt like she was given too much loyalty to the place that she was working. Like she was too much. Like okay, we need to go back and oh Zach, don't do that. Like it's you're gonna get hurt or whatever. Like. I feel like she should have been more of like a genuine person that was finding herself separated from her job. Like she didn't, she didn't seem like the type of person, like once we got to really know her, that would do be doing the things that she was doing. Like she was holding on to those things that her boss wanted her to do a little too long. I felt if that makes any sense. 
It does. Um, there was a note I have about the ending. Mm-hmm. That because of that, I thought it was a little strange that she was so quick to leave yeah. Florida. I have something I want to say about the ending, but I'll save that for the, the end. end. Yeah. One thing, another sort of out of left field, another actor that was in this film, he he was in this even less, was Mick Foley. Now, did you watch wrestling growing up? Uh, huge Mick Foley guy. Were you, or are you just saying that? No, I mean, is he an actor though? How well, he's not—he's not an actor. Rest- he's a wrestler, I know, but he, I mean, he was in this film, so that makes him an actor. Do you know what his name was in the film? Uh, an announcer guy. No, he was Jacob. Oh, Jacob, of course. From Jacob's Inferno. And I mean, me personally, I didn't watch a ton of wrestling growing up. I did have my favorites. So, like, I watched a little, like, in the early 2000s, like Rikishi and Scotty Tuhati, like that era. And I don't know if Mick Foley was around then. He probably was. But I did. And when I saw him, I instantly recognized him. But I thought that was kind of an interesting touch to put him in, I guess. Well, um, there was a second wrestler uh, in, in the movie. You may not have uh, known because perhaps... You weren't, you know, diehard wrestling fan, but a diehard wrestling fan would have noticed that Samson, Sam, mm-hmm. is played by Jake Roberts, Jake the Snake Roberts. Oh, Jake the Snake. Yeah, okay. I've heard that name, but I, I wouldn't have recognized him, no. Yeah, he was more of like a 90s guy, so maybe uh, a little before okay. both of our times. Okay, yeah, yeah he, he was like a bad guy for the most part when he wrestled. Right. And not that we weren't alive in the 90s. Me being born in 92 and you in 91, right? Correct. Okay. Just putting that out there. We're not like born in the 2000s or anything like that. Gross. Yeah, that would just be terrible. I'm glad that's not me. But just yeah, he played the villain. Kidding. Well, he, he played kind of a, like the, the bad guy in, uh, mm-hmm. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Too. Can I? <laughs> Leads to the ending, which we'll talk about more. Yeah. Can I talk a bit about that whole wrestling scene you know like where zach is actually <laughs> did you just say no no okay never forget it then no when zach is like steps into the ring finally it reminded me of another film especially when he lifts up who i now know to be jake the snake and you know throws him out of the ring mm-hmm. so, somewhat um magically you could say yes. it reminded me of nacho libre where at somewhat near the end of the film nacho he you know, like dives out of the ring to tackle Ramses, you know, and he likes, have you seen it? Well, well, I might be explaining something you've never seen. Have you seen that movie? I have not. No, you've, you've never seen Nacho Libre. I hope you're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. I've heard of the movie. I've never seen it. Well, there was a, wasn't there a movie a few podcasts ago where I was like, Oh, you've seen, Oh no, that was, um, that was Squid Game. So, you know what? There's movies that you think I should have seen and I think you should have seen them. Well, Squid yeah. Games is not a movie, Josh. Oh, okay. But anyway, Nacho Libre, if I could go off on a little tangent, is an insanely underrated movie. That movie is so good. It's probably my favorite comedy. Now, it is not perfect. There's a couple fart jokes in that film that I wish weren't there. Take out those, like, three fart jokes... It's the perfect movie. The soundtrack is so good. 
The acting is hilarious, but good and perfect for the film. The comedy is like out of this world funny, but I digress because we're not talking about Nacho Libre right now. But anyway, there is a scene in that movie where Nacho Libre, played by Jack Black, flies through the air and somewhat magically, and it reminds me of that scene. Because they're wrestling. They're wrestling, and a, a body is thrown out of a ring somewhat in a magical fashion. That's it. Okay. Now, <laughs> not that we're going to talk about the ending, but since we brought up um, the magical throw, yes, I thought when he had him up in the air, I thought, and so he had him up in the air, and then mm-hmm. um, Duncan, with his pipe, yes, his tire iron, was coming for Shia's head, and so yes. I thought he was going to throw him at yep. Duncan. I thought that and, too. I thought that too. And save him. A, yeah, but yes. it did not, did not happen. It did not happen, but that is exactly what I was thinking as well. So then, good. It, it was uh, out of left field, if you if you, if you will. That yes, he didn't it was. It. Yep, that's true. I do have when we when we go to our scoring and we talk about the ending. I will talk about my feelings about like the ending ending. You know, if you know what I'm saying. But I will t- I will stay away from that for now. Well, we keep talking about it. Do you just want to get no. to it and then? Okay. No, no, no. We'll get there when we get there because I have other things I want to talk about. Okay. Well. Um... All my things are pretty much tied up in the scoring. So you, okay. you want to say you have some notes? Yes, Maybe I want I a couple yeah. things that I want to say. Okay. This film had one of my favorite relationships I've ever seen in a movie. And that's between Tyler and Zach. And I just felt, the characters Tyler and Zach, it just felt so genuine in that they must, these guys must have been like, become really close like in real life and it just really translated well to the screen and it was quite believable their friendship like i be- truly believe these guys are actually friends in real life and also i mean that part is was obviously great and i did start to question a little and i i, I wanted to pose this question to you if you thought that their relationship, their closeness developed a little too quickly. Like, I know it was only an hour and a half long movie, so maybe that had to happen, but I just felt like they became very close very quickly. But I guess they had sort of similar circumstances, so that maybe quickened the process. What do you think? Uh, I think that's a great question. Um, I think that the movie did a great job in explaining that because mm-hmm. there were flashbacks between uh, of Tyler and I think his brother... Yeah, that's his brother. Played by John Bernthal. Yeah. Who we all know from things. Um, So I think the relationship between Tyler and Zach um, was quick because Tyler had that emotional connection to his brother. And he, because it was kind of implied that he was the reason why the brothers no longer around. Yes. Um, Yeah, you're right. He probably found uh, maybe that sort of brotherly connection with with zach yeah he saw somebody that not he didn't necessarily need to protect but somebody that he could hang out with and i guess protect the scene where um zach was up uh, on the top of that by the water where he was oh yeah being getting like... by those children mm-hmm. him like it was it was great i really liked how tyler reacted to that by yeah. running up me like you can't he can't swim because he just learned that about 
about Zach, and that's like mm-hmm. great character development. Yeah. Maybe, I mean, maybe that was a bit too quick. Maybe that would have been better, you know, 15 minutes later in the movie. Mm-hmm. But then we saw how, like, it seemed him losing his brother seemed to affect him quite a bit. Oh, yes. And yeah. so he was filling that hole with Zach. Um, but I never once thought that it was too quick. I just okay. wanted them to be, like, I wanted them to be close. And yeah. normally in these kind of movies, um, like, two people, they have some sort of conflict between each other where, like, one hates the other for some reason. Right. Um, and they have, like, a little bit of an argument. They, yeah. they didn't really have that in this movie, which I mm-hmm. I really liked. I just wanted them to be good with each other for the whole time. I didn't want, you know, Tyler to say something. And then they were sort of mad that. at each other for a while. And yeah, I know what you mean. That is like a movie trope sort of thing. It was. A, the closest they got to that was when they were outside of Saltwater Rednecks, um, mm-hmm. his home. And they were trying to explain to him that, you know, just just a guy named Clint. Yeah. Uh, it's not real. And then the Saltwater Redneck comes out in the car and I was like amazing. Yeah. Goosebumps, if you will. Yeah. That is my other note I wanted to mention before we got into the scores. Was that this was like an example of how I imagine in my own mind if I were to meet like one of my idols in person, you know? Mm-hmm. Where Maybe not so much the first part where he just goes, oh, I gave that up and I'm not really doing that anymore. And like, but he, Clint, the saltwater redneck, he like was a pretty good sport. Like he still like waved and, you know, all that stuff. But when he put on like the makeup and came out and, you know, greeted them when they were walking away and like really gave like 110% for this like immersive experience so that Zach could meet him. Like that was... Yeah, very heartwarming, and that's how if I meet one of my idols, that's how I would want that experience to go as well. Because it feels like it feels like if I were to meet someone that I really admire, it would be kind of be like they wouldn't be very interested in it, you know. So it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just a cool way of saying of seeing seeing that, I guess. I think subtly, um, the characters in this movie were very f- fleshed out. Hmm. Um. Like even in that scene with Clint, we saw him like, Oh, I haven't been I haven't done this for ten years. Yeah. But you can see that he like he missed it. Oh yeah, you can see the fire in his eyes, like when they mentioned it, he was like, Oh, like Yeah, totally. Yeah, like he, he looked sad and was thinking when they were when they were leaving his his porch and then he leaves and then we think, Oh well, I mean, you don't I didn't think anyways that that was the last we're going to see of him because I knew there was wrestling in the movie. Mm. But if you didn't have any idea, you're like, oh, that's just the end of Clint. Now what's going to happen to to these three? But then right. he comes out and yeah. it's, it's great. Mm-hmm. great. Great movie choice. Yeah, yeah. Great movie choice, Josh. <laughs> um, I think there was something I was going to say too, but now I can't remember. So great. Great podcasting. Yeah, totally. That's okay. We've said a lot. We can get to the scores and maybe you'll remember. 
Okay. Unless Anyways. there's something, yeah, unless there's something else you want to say before we get there. Um, the we did watch the last movie that I had chosen was Old Boy, and mm-hmm. I told you how Old Boy was the best movie that I had seen in the year 2022, and that has changed now. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Anyways, originality. What do you have for originality for the Peanut Butter Falcon? I have a pretty high score for this. Now, I didn't do a lot of research in terms of like if this was an adaptation of of a story or anything like that. Do you know? It is 100% um, a retelling of a very popular story. Okay. Huckleberry Finn. I mean, they they say it. um, That is true. In the and they're on rafts and yeah okay it's that's like true in the tagline basically but okay I'll let you give your score and then I'll explain why that has affected my score I see I see okay yeah now that you mentioned Huckleberry Finn there are elements in the movie that really do correlate quite well with that so that does make sense I did lo- I did love this story I thought it was quite original uh, you know of course I was um, naive to the fact that it was a Huckleberry Finn sort of retelling in a way. Um, so my score, despite that, I had it as an eight and a half. That's funny because I had it as an eight and a half um, yeah. when I scored it after I watched it. And then I realized it was a Huckleberry Finn thing. So that my originalized score is seven. Okay. Because there are quite a few unique details. I did like the story. So a a seven, but I mean, originality isn't like, it's probably the worst, the worst thing we have. I was about to say, it's like probably our worst grading rubric. We can go over that and make some changes. These were just like quick things I put together and you just adapted them. You didn't question me at all. So that is true. Okay. Well then the next one is ending. So, okay. I will give my thoughts on the ending. Okay, so when Tyler was hit over the head with a tire iron. Shia LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf, yes. I was certain that he had died. And when it cuts to the shot, you know, like they're waiting in the hospital. Yes. Which is a bit of a movie trope as well, I will say. And you saw her reaction. Yes. Her being Eleanor. Uh, I that sort of even further cemented in my mind that he had died. And, I mean, I didn't want him to die, but I thought it was going to be like sort of a harsh ending, like, and they were going to blossom out of that tragedy sort of thing. And then in the very last scene where they're driving to Florida, and, you know, you don't see him, and then he... Turns out he's laying in the back seat. I didn't love that. It felt like a bait and switch a little bit. Like, I'm, I'm, I was, I mean, was I happy that he was alive? Yes. But I, it felt like it could have been a stronger ending had he not. That's kind of what I feel. You wanted him to die? I didn't want him to die. I loved him as a character. But when he, when he, like when I thought he had died... I thought, wow, I can't believe that movie went there, but I totally believe that this has happened. And I'm curious how this is now going to end. So maybe I just sort of made up my mind, like, okay, he's died, and that really sucks. Now let's see what they're going to do with this. And then 
If they hadn't put that scene in the hospital where she reacts like, okay, here's the terrible news. He has passed away. We're so sorry. Then this wouldn't be how I feel. But I just didn't love that bait and switch ending is what I feel like they did. It was a bait and switch. Now, if I ignore that part and include the wrestling sort of climax of the film, if we're including that in the ending, that part was very good. I liked that whole part. So the way I scored this was combining those two things. And so I gave it a six for the ending. Sort okay. of long-winded, but a long-winded six, but that's, there it is. Okay, so I'm going to tell you I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent myself. Okay, good. So the ending, the uh, I was looking at the IMDb page and there was a note saying that there were some executives, some film executives that were pushing very hard for the directors. There was two directors to to take him out of the car and imply that he had died. And they were like that's not happening. He's staying alive. But they left the hospital scene in where she was clearly told some news that she was very upset about. Right. Like, what was she? And then Zach was blowing out candles on his cupcake. Mm -hmm. All very sad, like. Yeah. Have you seen The Sixth Sense? Yes. The, The boy who sees dead people. In spoilers. The movie. I guess that's not really the spoiler. Bruce anyway. Willis is dead the whole time. Oh, the Haley Joel Osment. Mm-hmm. That that boy, he was in another movie with Helen Hunt called Pay It Forward. Okay, I believe it was called. Mm-hmm. That's, is that a movie that you've seen? No. Okay. Well, the ending to Pay It Forward, I think, is called Pay It Forward, something like that. Okay. I should look it up, but that's not what we do here. No. It it was a movie that I saw as a younger boy. And the ending of that movie, it's it, what I can remember from it is basically like kindness, you pay you pay it forward. So, and he's just like a a boy in school who's learning about paying it forward. Mm-hmm. He gets stabbed at the end of the movie by the bully, and he just okay. he dies. Right. He gets stabbed and he dies. And that was the end of the movie. So I feel like for some reason that brought up this. If he would have died in Peanutbutter Falcon, that might have ruined it for me. That might have been like, okay, well, what was the point of that? Like, why did he die? Right. But I'm glad he didn't. Mm -hmm. Anyways, my ending score is 8.5. So um, perhaps some people will frown on that unrealistic unrealistic aspect of Zach throwing an old man out of the ring. But they set it up earlier, which I really appreciated, uh, with Clint, the saltwater redneck, uh, telling them all, well, telling Zach pretty much that the move was impossible. It's just, you know, something right. they used. Um, they just cut it to make it look like it. Look like it was happening. Yeah. This, was a, this was a movie where the weirdness um, I can embrace. Yeah. Um, and I think it all wraps up nicely with them in the car, even though it's strange that, you know, the whole the whole thing we just talked about. Right. Um, and then I, I said it before, but the fact that Eleanor left with 
the two of them. The fact Eleanor even liked Tyler at all is kind of weird, but 8.5, um, just because it, it wrapped up so nicely, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, that's fair. A little different than yours, but. Yeah. Expectation. Now, I give that an 8.5 as well because yeah. my expectations, my expectations were very high for this movie. Yeah. I talked to Greg, your pal Greg. Yeah. And he hyped up the movie so much. Right. Um, and then I, of course, I looked up the Rotten Tomatoes score of 95 before the movie by accident. Yep. And so my expectations were like, oh, this is going to be an amazing movie. Yeah. And it was very good. Uh, met and maybe even exceeded my expectations for it. Right. Um, I laughed. Totally. I felt emotions. Mm-hmm. It was a wonderful watch. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of one of those few times, I think, where a movie, like when I was listening to that episode of Hot Ones, what I was saying, sort of um, Sean Evans, the host, was sort of waxing poetic, I suppose, about the film, saying he really liked it. Of course, he's not going to say he hated it. But um, they showed a few clips from the movie, and it looked pretty interesting. And I also heard from Greg about this movie before I watched it, and he said he really liked it. But it was one of those few times where I had pretty high expectations, given those things. And yeah, it met them. I wasn't, like, disappointed in any way. It was quite a good movie. And so... My score is very close to that. It was an eight. Okay. Yeah. Good. Now, the big one, acting. Yes. I'll let you go first. Okay. I will say that um, when you mentioned it briefly, the relationship between Tyler and Eleanor, that one, I just don't think they had enough time to make that more solid, you know? Like, I wasn't given enough between those two to convince me that Eleanor would drop everything and go to Florida with him. Just wasn't, but I mean, they had to focus a bit more on Tyler and Zach, who was the main relationship in this film. So I think in this case, they probably could have done with maybe five or 10 more minutes. I would have liked to have seen that relationship fleshed out a little more because it was very surface level for me. So I didn't, I didn't love that, but the real standouts are, Shia's and Zach's performances. They were insanely good. I think Zach had a really, has a very good, his name is Zach in in the movie and that's his real name. Zach has a very good knack for comedic timing, I found. Like his, delivering his lines, like the thing about them, he just hit the comedy like so perfectly. And uh, Shia, his performance, he didn't have a ton of performance that wasn't with Zach. Like we got to see a bit more of Zach on his own than we did with Shia, really. Shia was just kind of like being a jerk at the beginning. Or not being a jerk, but being a rebel, I guess, or whatever, however you want to put that. But yeah, when they came together, it was uh, one of the best, yeah, duos I've seen on film. And so it really sort of overshadowed what I didn't like about Tyler and, and Eleanor. And so my acting score is actually may, might be a little higher than you think it's going to be. I have it at a seven and a half. Well, that makes me feel weird about my score. Um, I remembered what I was going to say uh, okay. earlier. Yeah. And that was um, while watching, I was curious about how much of um, 
the the relationship between Tyler and Zach. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much of that was scripted and how much of that was just them like hanging out as their natural interactions that just caught on film sort of. Yeah. Like when they're Mm -hmm. like slapping each other in the face, Mm -hmm. like was that just shy and Zach doing that and they just used it? Like when they were putting watermelons on their head, was that just shy and Zach and they used it or was that like scripted? There was some, some lines that Zach did that, wasn't scripted that they put in like when um when tyler was like what's rule number one and zach said party right that was that was not scripted nope okay um my acting score is a nine okay this i tend maybe to score my movies a little bit higher um for whatever reason i like shia labeouf as an actor yeah um some maybe a, there's a little bias there um zach was a treat to watch definitely um the two bad guys weren't great mm-hmm. but they weren't really in it for that long and that's true uh the blind man in the swamp was a nice little treat yeah he was good too dakota johnson you know she was there <laughs> yes a nine yeah, I I don't know why. Nine just seems like a good score. No, no, that's fair. Totally. I was a little, I put a little weight on Eleanor's performances, performance and the performance of the two bad guys, Ratboy and uh, what's Duncan. His, Duncan, that's the one. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you had to score this movie, if Roger Ebert called you and was like, hey, I've changed my scoring system. It's now no longer out of four stars. It's, it's out of 10. Oh, out of 10, you say? What would you, yeah, what would you And you've with? called me to give you my score. Well, I have to I've tell you. for 20 years, but yeah. Oh, you've come back to life and you want to know the score. I would give this an overall score of eight. It was very good. I could tell lots of it I really enjoyed. There was a few things that wasn't my favorite. And especially the ending sort of influence brought, definitely brought down the score a decent amount. So that's why I'm, I'm at an eight. What will get you to a nine? What movie? Have you seen a movie ever that you're like 10 out of 10? Yes. 10 out of 10? Yes, I have a few that I would say are 10 out of 10. Name one. Uh, Silence of the Lambs. Oh, of course. Okay. Um, my score is 8.5 out of 10. Okay. Um, sorry? I was about to say, out of curiosity, do you know what I gave Old Boy? I feel like I gave it an 8.5. I don't have that information. Again, I need to go and see what we scored all of our films. I feel like I liked Old Boy better than this, but they're entirely different films. That's a little hard to say. But they were both excellent. Let's put it that way. I mean, it is hard to give a movie. When you're getting to 9 and 10s, like, it better be pretty airtight. You know, pretty good all around. I just go by feel. You know, if a movie yeah. makes me feel good, I'm going to give it a higher score. That's fair, yeah. No, 8.5, that's a good... That's You know, that's not too far off what I gave gave it so okay so i gave it an 8.5 you give it an 8 yeah um perhaps the highest scores they're up there given i can't even remember what i gave old boy now doesn't matter um shrek okay so that was the peanut butter falcon any final thoughts on that not on the film itself no i will say i thank you for choosing that because i had been meaning to watch that now i will say currently i am entertaining three films for my 
next choice. And what we'll do is I will base that choice entirely off a poll that we will put on Instagram. And so, okay. you, mm-hmm, go ahead. Are they like similar themed movies or are they three different? They are that? three entirely different movies. They I could not think of a single thing that connects those three movies. Willem Dafoe. I don't think there's Willem Dafoe in any of these. Okay, but so you're going to have to tell us the three movies. Yes, now. I'm going to tell you the three films. The first one is Howl's Moving Castle. Okay, well, well, let me quickly say that this also depends on if you have seen any of these. But first I'll go with Howl's Moving Castle. Have you seen that? I haven't even heard of it. Okay, it's a Miyazaki film. Surely you've heard of Totoro. Yes. Okay, it's the same guy who made that. The second film is The Butterfly Effect. Have you seen that film? Um, I have seen the Ashton Kutcher Mm -hmm. film, The Butterfly Effect, but not since probably middle school. Okay, so that would be a good candidate. I had only, I had, I swear that's the movie I've seen the most, I saw the most like commercials for it on TV, but not having seen it. Like I swear they played the trailer for that film or not the trailer, but you know, like the preview or whatever you want to call that, the commercial for it, like hundreds of times, but I never saw it. And the third one, which ties into Nacho Libre slightly in that Jack Black is in it, Orange County. Have you seen that film? I have seen Orange County, but again, not since, like, not for a long time. Orange County would be a movie that, you know, you find on TBS a lot. Right. Well, I have not seen that movie. I just know that Jack Black is in it, and that is literally the only thing I know about it. And that there's oranges on the front. You know, like, they got oranges in their mouths or something. Those are those are three wild movies that you've chosen. Yes, they are entirely different. And the movie that we are going to watch this episode is entirely dependent upon a poll we will put on Instagram once this is this podcast episode is released. Now, how long do those polls last on Instagram? 24 hours. 24 hours. Okay. So we'll, like a day after this airs, we'll put the poll up. up. And we, I mean you. Now, I have to say, given a film that right at the beginning, had I heard this correctly, and I think that I have... You said we won't have very much to talk about for this movie. I feel like this is, we've been going on for a lifetime. Like this has been like uh, almost an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's great. It is good. I I feel great about this episode. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel fantastic. The the thing I like the most about about this is that I come into to an episode at the beginning and I'm like, well, I don't know if we're going to be able to, I don't know if there's a lot of notes that I have, but then you start talking and then that lets me say some things that I remember. So, well, I mean, that's just, that's just podcasting 101 right there. We're just nailing it. 101, we play off each other. Totally. I I love it. Totoro. Um, So you're, okay. So one, the first movie, can you repeat it? What it was called? Howl's Moving Castle. So that's an anime. Yes, it is. Okay. Some and people then, call it their favorite Miyazaki film. I've only seen My Neighbor Totoro, so I can't really say all that much. Have I seen Spirited Away? Have I seen that? Maybe. I can't remember. But anyway, continue. That one is interesting because um, we have a, a standing um, movie date um, every, once every month with... Um, my girlfriend's ex-roommates at their house. Oh. 
Oh. They're really into the spirited away, you know, the franchise, like right. the, Totoro and um, the the Hells, you know, Haunted Mansion or whatever you said. And so that one might be interesting because we've done nothing but um, be ignorant to the anime uh, right. community. So that's good. Um, mm-hmm. And the second movie, The Butterfly Effect. Yes. Um, where where are you coming up with these movies? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I just like I've. It's one of those movies that's just been always on the back of my mind. I just always like it. Just always pops into my head. It's like I need to see that movie. Are you aware there's a sequel? I did not know. Butterfly Effect Two. Yeah. Iron Wings of Death. I believe Ashton Kutcher has nothing to do with it. I think it might even just be like a TV movie. Butterfly. Okay. Um, that would have been a good one, but um, and then Orange County. That's uh, Jack Black and I believe Tom Hanks' son, Colin Hanks. Am I correct? Could be. I have you, no idea. You just okay? Do you know what Colin Hanks looks like? You see, I'm the, assuming somewhat like Tom Hanks. You see the two men on the cover with oranges in their mouth. Does one of them look like Tom Hanks? No, no, he looks like not Tom Hanks. Is it not? Is it not Colin Hanks of Orange County? I have to look it up. Well, we got nothing but time. Yeah, the end of our uh, end of our podcast usually go on for quite a long time. They do. They sort of go on and on. Colin Hanks, you're right. 2002 film. Yeah, Colin. Colin Hanks is actually um, the the first name that comes up. Colin Hanks, Jack Black. Yeah, if you're a big Schitt's Creek fan, Catherine O'Hare is in it. If you're a big uh, Throw Up From The Sun fan, John Lithgow is in it. Uh, if you're a big Grace and Frankie fan, Lily Tomlin's in it. Well, this is exciting. There's people in it I didn't even know were in it. Um, butterfly Effect. <laughs> That's. I'm just wondering now. Yes. The butterfly Effect's actually um, a 2004 movie versus a 2002 Orange County. I'm wondering now our... Our audience, our Instagram audience. Yeah. How they would vote because they, so far in the two we've done, have gone the opposite direction of where we ended up going. (laughs) Yeah. So if you have an idea of what you want, just assume it's going the opposite way. Do we have a lot of anime fans? Do we have a lot of Ashton Kutcher fans? Do we have a lot of Nacho Libre fans? Well, out of, I mean, this wasn't intentional, but Howl, Howl's Moving Castles also came out in 2004. All, these all came out very similar times. Early 2000s. Yeah, I will say that um, from what I've seen based off the analytics of our Instagram page, that our main age is like 30 to 35, I think. So I, I don't know if that lends itself to somebody picking a movie from the early 2000s, but given this scenario, they don't have a choice. they got to pick a movie from the early 2000s. Studio Ghibli, that's right. Um, one of the three movies has a higher Rotten Tomato score than the other two combined, so that's interesting. <laughs> yep. Okay, well, whichever of the three movies gets chosen, um, I can promise you that the movie that I choose for episode 14 will be much different than those three. 
So we're keeping it fresh here on fresh, the pod. Fresh, exciting. Okay, well, um, that's fun. This yes. is yeah, going to be quite a long one. And it is. Um, on that Track note, two. Yeah, on that note, mm-hmm. yeah, that's not staying in, so that's going to be confusing. Uh, on that note, well, it's been it's been a fun time. Um, but I, yeah, I should probably stop talking and leave. Okay. Stop talking and leave. So thank you for listening, Jesse and the audience. And, uh, yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, great. Thank you so much.